Hello, everyone, and welcome to the House Gears Podcast. Dare I say, the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am excited to be introducing you and me, quite frankly, because I'm new to Mr. Salvador Martinez as well. Sal, yes, Sal, right? Yeah, Sal's good. Sal is the owner of Fez Fez Services, Fez Cleaning yes, Services. You know what's yeah. funny is it's P H E S, but when I pronounce it, I think of the foreign exchange student character on um, <laughs> that 70s show. <laughs> yeah, that's actually where I got it from. Is that true? Yes. Tell it's me cool. how, how is that possible? Were you the foreign exchange student? No, I wish. Um, I wish I had that guy's bank account. Uh, but well, no, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, no. So back in the day in the neighborhood that I lived in around that time, the show was gaining popularity. And they, I think we were like, I have another brother who's about a year and a half, two years younger than me. And they told him that he looked like Fez. At that time, I was into graffiti and stuff because I was getting influence in high school. And they were calling him that because they said he looked like the guy on the show. So then I, I started writing it. I thought the name was cool. And I kind of just took it and used it as a moniker, to be honest, for graffiti. And it kind of stuck. And then when I was thinking of a business name, I was like, well, what can I use? Everyone kind of knows me as that. That's a nickname I've had since I was like 16 now. Uh, and that's what I went with. And none of the domains were taken. The email was available. So all of that was easy to find. It's it's funny how much what's available dictates what we call ourselves nowadays, right? For business oh, yeah. names. And if it's not a .com, we're all super scared of, you know, I, I remember this. There was a, I grew up, there was a a, a music store that was near me and it was called it's called played against sam mm -hmm. so played against sam guitars and like my whole childhood we all hung out at played against sam's you were all musicians or wannabe anyway <laughs> and then when the internet came out they changed their name to sam guitar and i was like that's a dumb name why would you do that and it was because played against sam was already taken as oh, a wow. right like they, they changed their name yeah. because of the dot com like sam's guitars or play it i don't know i don't even know what their name is now it's no longer play it against sam i'll tell you that <laughs> well at least it's gotten easier now you can just google your domain and look that stuff up i think back in the day it was probably a lot harder to make sure that none of that was taken yeah that's true that's true as a matter of fact i probably am one of those people who own far too many domain <laughs> names uh -huh. and you know what's funny about that is because every time I have an idea, I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy the domain because it's like 12 bucks and I just want to mm -hmm. secure it for a year. And if I don't do anything with it, I'll let it go, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I have a friend who is looking at my domain names and they're like, you have the most random <laughs> domain names. You don't have to buy them. Uh -huh. <laughs> Nobody's going to take them. Nobody's going to take them. You never know, though, right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. You never know. I, I, I'm not I'm going to try. I'm going to let it go. For right this second, but I do want to come back to that you were a graffiti artist. Oh yeah, which okay. which basically just means the bane of all cleaning professionals' existence. So uh, we'll get true. to that. Being the okay. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> you are no. It's 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 funny where we all come from. You know, it's a oh yeah this this trajectory. So I would love to hear about it. You're in mm. Illinois now. Yeah, is that is that where you grew up? So I grew up in, I was born in Mexico City. Uh, we didn't get here until I was about six years old. 
And we got to Chicago, I think it was around 87, 88. And then we were here for, I believe, about four or five years. We came, you know, trying to get here, you know, work on the American dream, save money, build a house out there, and then, you know, come back uh, back and forth or have the ability to do that. But I guess we liked it a lot. We ended up staying, and we've been here ever since. Uh, I grew up in the south side neighborhood of Chicago. It's called Pilsen, and I've been there. We were there for about 14 years, and then later we've just we've moved around. But, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, how I got to Chicago. So it was your it was your parents' initial idea was and I kind of heard this before, like your idea is to come to America, work, put your head down, really work hard, four or five years, save every dime, go back mm-hmm. to Mexico and buy a house, build a house, yeah, right? take that money and 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 put some good use to it. Is mm-hmm. that kind of what you're saying? That kind of that was the plan? Yeah, that was the plan. And the reason it didn't work out that way is because my mom ended up getting pregnant with my with my second brother. And I think at that time we were already here. Mm-hmm. So I think having to go back there and start all over over there, it just didn't make sense for them. Mm-hmm. So we ended up just staying here all together. Uh, yeah. And been here ever since, yeah. Because I have another two brothers and they were also born here. Where What did your parents do for work? So when we got here, my dad was working at a restaurant. And because my mom was pregnant at the time, she was a stay-at-home mom. Sure. So she was at home. My dad was working at a restaurant. I think he was a, like a, what is it? A um, The people that help out the bus boys um, and, and like load the dishes into the machines mm-hmm. and all that stuff and mm-hmm. just did certain tasks they need in the kitchen. He, he did all of that. So he did that for, for a while. And then he got into trucking. And that's what he's been doing ever since. Oh, very cool. What mm-hmm. kind of, like, is he a truck driver? Yeah, so he's an owner operator. He has his own truck. Awesome. Uh, he, yeah, he um, he's been doing that. I think about six, seven years now, and he loves it. He loves that. And then we're all grown, so he loves that. He can work on his own time. No one lives at home anymore, so it's just really him and my mom, and that that pays you know their their bills and then some. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's that type of lifestyle of being an over. For personally, I hate mm-hmm. driving at this point. Yeah, I've driven enough in my life, but I yeah. I do love. I do love the I, I I've never I've never even been in a like an 18 wheeler. I've never even no. been in a cab of one. No way. I've never my whole life, but it uh-huh. seems like it'd be pretty cool, right? Oh Just yeah, the, it's really cool. Um I mean, I remember he would take us on long long road trip that he would go on and it was cool cuz they have like a bed in the back. They have a yeah, like some of them even have bunk beds. Wow. So pretty cool it's almost like a little mini studio apartment yeah, yeah you throw a playstation back there and uh oh, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, and this is back then i'm sure now they're like you know pretty uh with ipads and all this other stuff i'm sure they're it's pretty cool in there yeah i bet it's completely wired up so you can just uh i don't know it's pretty it's pretty awesome so i have a friend there's a there's a guy who i had on the show a long time ago and he was a, he had such a similar story to your dad in mm-hmm. that he came to the United States. I think he came from Brazil. Mm-hmm. He went to work for a kitchen and he and he was just like the type of person who would do anything. You know, uh, yeah. do the dishes. I'll go do the dishes. You want me to do this? I'll go. Do... And he worked his way up and yeah. just being that type of person who was willing to do anything, you know, to say yes to anything and uh, just owned it all in the end. You know, really, really mm-hmm. great. Hard work. That's what it takes. 
Yeah, no, it does. And I mean, he's instilled that as that into us uh, since the beginning. And luckily, he's also been the type of person that he, you know, a lot of a lot of times I, I know immigrants that have family members and friends that have friends. And sometimes they, they get here and they kind of get stuck in the situation they're in. Uh, he's been someone that always tries to better himself. You know, he started working when he got into trucking. They paid for a school. He was doing the school. Then they had he had to work for that company, I believe, for like two years. Uh, after that, you know, he's always just try to, I guess, get get in, take that next step within the industry where, where now he's his own boss. So so I'm proud of him, you know, and he definitely helped us out uh, and instilled that in, in us. That is really cool. So what was it like growing up in the south side of Chicago, an immigrant kid? What was that like? Was it did you play sports? Did you work? It was tough because I grew up uh, in. The Jordan era. So it was rough, you know, because I mean, uh, I'm a sh I'm short. I'm maybe like five, eight. I'm not I'm not tall. And obviously during that time, every kid wanted to play basketball. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out. But I think that, yeah, growing up, it, it was cool. It was different than it is now. That neighborhood now is very up and coming and it's changed a lot. But back then there was more gangs in the neighborhood. It was a little mm. bit rougher. But to be honest, <clears throat> we never really got in trouble. We, you know, thank God my, my parents never really let us uh, be out and about when we didn't need to be. And they were pretty strict with us. So I never got in any kind of trouble. But the neighborhood was there for me to, I guess, find trouble if I was looking for it. Yeah. It's funny how trouble is that way, right? doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. I'll tell you, I've been in some really bad neighborhoods and really good ones. And there's trouble in both. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Maybe not the same kind of trouble, but if you're looking for it, you could certainly find it, right? Mm-hmm. So when when did you get your first job? Did you ever have like a paper route? Did you sell pretzels? Did you <laughs> anything like that? Like it's a legit thing. Yeah. Um. You know what? My first job I got when I was like 15. I was 15 years old. And I remember in the neighborhood, a lot of video stores were opening up. This was during the Blockbuster days. And my first job was at a video store. I remember I was 15. The guy would pay me cash every week. And I was there for a while. I was there for about two years because then they opened up a second location. <clears throat> and that was pretty much the guy that you came in. You gave him your tapes. I would charge you the late fees and rewind all the tapes. Put so them so back. You're the rewind guy. Yeah, I was a rewind guy with the little card and all that. Rewind. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was, it was fun. I, I liked it there. I would hang out with uh, his dad used to work with me. Because uh, he would help him with the business and he would just watch baseball all day and occasionally like start taking naps during the baseball games. So it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. That is super fun. That's really great. A video store. Mm -hmm. And all right. So you get through high. Did you play sports in high school? Did you? You know what? I, I remember wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play, play basketball. basketball. <laughs> no, I tried out for the team. Didn't even didn't, didn't even have a chance. I uh, didn't really play sports like on a team in high school, but I played basketball the whole time. I, I never really stopped playing basketball. Even even till recently, I play here and there, like pickup games with family and, and things like that. But uh, I never got on like a team like that. No. Oh, that's that's too bad. It's um, I don't know if it's too bad, right? Yeah. Some people are never never do it. I I did. I played baseball. And I loved it. I mean, it was just my game was baseball. 
I played a little bit of football, but I got hurt real quick. And my mother was like, uh, football's not for you. You're a little too scrawny of a kid. I was really always a scrawny kid. <clears throat> this but was I, in high school? Yeah, in high school. Yeah, I was oh, always okay. a, I've grown, but it uh-huh. took a while. It took a while. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So what was your, what would, did you go to college out of high school? So at that time, my uncle was an admissions advisor at a um, proprietary school or like a private school where investors, you know, build out of school and they, they have like fast pad careers. So he convinced me to go to this school and I was there for about a year and a half. And at that time, I really wanted to get into something creative. Uh, websites were starting to get built out. I wanted to learn how to do web development. That was super interesting to me. So I went to the school. They gave you a laptop. Tuition was crazy high for like a year. But at the end of that year, you came out, you came out with a diploma that that specific school gave you. I did learn how to build out websites at, at that time, but I did nothing with it, to be honest. Uh, but that's what I did after after high school. That didn't work out. And then right after that, I remember I signed up for community college because I never found work in web development. Um, and then I did that for about a year and a half. And I got into sales. And that's where, honestly, the the school situation kind of went downhill. And I just didn't, didn't see any value in it for what I wanted to do. Yeah, I went to community college, too. I didn't even I didn't graduate high school. No I quit way. High school. Yeah, I quit high school at 16. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, you know, it's it's so funny when I think back. And I don't mean funny. haha. Just funny, like just funny how things happen. Yeah. But I was told <clears throat> I've kind of said this before. I was told I took like a, a special test as they give you in high school. And mm-hmm. they told me I was a hands on learner. And when I asked what that meant, she said that the guidance counselor told me that means you're going to work in construction your whole life. Oh, wow. And I, and I was super mad. The last thing I wanted to do was work in construction. Yeah. And so I was like, well, why do I have to go to school to go to work in construction? So I quit school and went to work in construction. You did? Yeah. I did it for eight years. And then uh, I was like, I was super depressed and I was, I was complaining to my sister. I have an older sister mm-hmm. and I was complaining to her and she goes, you know, there's this new thing called community college and you can go there. And I was like, you can, but I don't even have, she was like, yeah, you can, I'll show you. And she literally like, you got to show me all the steps. And that's where I went. I went to community college. That's good. I mean, unfortunately that happened, but I, I always think that everything that happens and doesn't happen is for a reason, right? Like yeah, I agree. here and, and so am I, and whatever happened, happened because it yeah. kind of to in a sense. Agreed. Agreed. Let's back up just a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. how did you get into graffiti? How does that happen? Yeah. So I'm the oldest of four boys and I brand new to a country. Didn't really know much about the culture here. Um, and I started getting, I started high school when I started high school, my school was pretty mixed. It's called Curie high school down the South side of Chicago as well. And it's predominantly, I would say, I don't know about now, but back then it was about 40% Hispanic, 50%, I would say African-American. And then the rest is a little bit mixed, but I guess I was just trying to fit in and I fit in with the guys that were into art. And I really like drawing at the time. I remember since I was in fifth or sixth grade, I would take coloring books and instead of coloring them, I would try to draw the the designs in the, in the book itself. That's super uh, cool. Yeah. So I remember I sat next to this guy in urban studies. His name was Victor. And I would see him just write letters and letters over. And I never understood what he was doing. So I asked him one day, 
he explained what it was. He explained kind of like the history behind graffiti. And he started bringing me around his friends, which were his crew. And all of those guys did graffiti and used to write on stuff. And that started, that's how I got started with graffiti and, and that kind of life. And I was doing that for pretty much all throughout high school. Even, even to this day now, I still love graffiti and I do it, but it's not only legally like i can't park it and chase i can't run uh so as long as i'm you know somewhere safe i'll do it but when i get a chance yeah. i remember when i was a kid there was a, a kid i was a teenager and so it probably you might remember it too because it was kind of like in the late 80s early 90s it was a some movie that came out about this graffiti artist and the you know, the, the cops were always trying to catch him and he was always one step ahead of them. And he was, you yeah. know, graffitiing all over this place. And uh, like he was, the, the story was like, he was like this folk hero hero. Uh -huh. And I, I was, I was working in cleaning and I remember not getting it. Like everyone's like, you don't get how great that movie is. I'm like, no, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know how hard it is to get spray paint off of brick walls. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Everybody loves a graffiti artist until you got to clean up after one. It's not that fun. No, it's not. Those things stick on. The paint yeah. stick on for sure. Yeah. So what were you just? It, it, forgive my forgive my ignorance. Uh, were you just writing Fez over and over again? Is that? Yeah. So you start <laughs> off with, you start off with doing tags, which is just like with a marker, and then you the whole point of graffiti, to be honest, since the dawn of it's starting it has always been like to get popular to market your name and have nor notoriety in the community of graffiti writers so back then uh i would take the train i would sneak out of my house so i would sneak out of my house i remember i would jump on the bus the bus would take me to the train train line that was closed that train line would ride from downtown chicago right all the way to midway airport and I would just walk the line. Uh, I remember I would dress in all black. I would have my little book bag. My parents had no idea I was out. Uh, and I would just write my name on stuff. And yeah, I mean, a, a couple of uh, run-ins with the police and all that. But the whole point of it was that the next day when the kids from your school are riding that train or from other schools, they see that, you know, you got your name up. Yeah. Right. Right. That's mm -hmm. uh. I could see where that would be exciting. Like that'd be a thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, uh, even now, I mean, if anyone saw their name while they're riding a train, they probably think it's kind of cool, you know? I guess so. I, again, uh, every time I see graffiti on a train, I'm like, son of a. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not, not only that, but it's, it's, um, you know, it's it's not like a book of poems where you can learn something or contemplate. It's literally just a name. And you mm -hmm. sometimes you can't, you know, they're trying to be so artistic with this with the design, you don't even know what this name is. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. Two arrows and a and an at symbol. Like, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's because street graffiti has gotten really popular lately. Like you, you know, you take that guy like Banksy, for example, who's super popular and doing shows all over now. So it's kind of gone that way. I don't know. Um, I'm not really too, I don't keep up too much with the scene like I used to, but, but yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> so you get into sales. what did you start selling? So uh, I just left high school. Um, I started dating a guy that was in my crew. I started dating his sister and she ended up getting pregnant. I was 17 years old, going on 18, I believe. 
no, 18 going on 19. And um, I got into sales because I wasn't working and I had a baby on the way and I needed a job. So I remember one of my friends recommended me to interview at a, a store that sold cell phones, T-Mobile at the time, oh, or cool. Voice Stream. It was actually Voice Stream at the time. And we used to be in the kiosk. I don't know if you ever ran into these guys, but back in the early 2000s, it was the guys at the mall that would greet you and try to get you to come by and offer you a free phone with a two-year contract. So I was one of those guys. So I got into sales. At first, I was super shy. I didn't want to greet anybody. I was just I would just kind of stand in the corner because I had never done sales. And I had never worked in anything remotely close to sales. It's always been like labor or other things or the video store. Uh, but never in a face-to-face in -a -face interaction trying to get someone to buy something. So it got to the point where I think about two weeks in, one of the assistant managers kind of pulled me to the side. He's all like, hey, listen, you're not doing great, you know, so you need to step it up. Uh, if not, he kind of told me in a nice way, like, we're going to let you go, you know, and and I couldn't afford that. And I was not in a position where I could ask my parents who also ha have three other kids that they got to take care of that. Hey, you guys have a grandson you guys got to help me with. So it kind of made me come out of my shell in that regard. And it got me to selling. And I actually started doing pretty good uh, at that company. I got to the point where I was like a, a sales manager for a couple locations at, at a time. Were you. I'm just super interested in, you know, cause I, I do a lot of management training mm -hmm. and that's really where I spend most of my time is training a lot of times brand new managers, you know, people working in the cleaning industry and they get promoted. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you went through is something that all of us really have a difficult time going through. And that is being uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and, and right. So if we could say like, what was stopping you from being outwardly aggressive or, or outgoing and, and willing to talk to people because it's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? That's what's, that's what's the biggest hindrance of effective management. People just don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't want to be confrontational. Sure. I, I don't, it doesn't feel good. Right. How did you become okay? I understand that you were like, I had to, but you know, be, how did you start to be okay with being uncomfortable? Did you start like, mirroring what someone else was doing like were you watching the assistant manager or someone else and how they were doing and you're like okay it doesn't seem like they're going to beat you up just they're just going to say no <laughs> yeah uh it was a little bit of that it, and i think at that time i was young and i was a little naive and i didn't know any better i just knew that i didn't really have a choice i needed to make you know money for my family and this was going to be a way to pay my bills and I saw some of the checks that these guys were making because wireless was so new at the time. Some of these guys, we were all young. We were all like 18, 19 years old, making really good money. Sometimes they'd get checks for $4,000 and just commission. It, it was crazy. And uh, it just kind of did it because I like in that case, I had no choice. I think now I'm more self-aware of at this point in my life, like what I like and don't like. And I think now it's become a choice if I want to put myself in an uncomfortable situation but I think we need to do it, you know, in life, you need to put yourself in those situations, even if you don't want to, obviously. Yeah. I think that my whole existence from <laughs> beginning to end, the if I've had any success and, I, and I've had quite a few, it's all based on my ability to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause it is, 100%. it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just, 
They just don't want to be uncomfortable. There are people who it's don't. Tough. Yeah, there are people who stay in relationships 10 years past they were any good. And you're like, <laughs> why did you stay? And they, they just didn't. It was just more comfortable than to not, you know, th than to have that difficult conversation, you know? Yeah, it just becomes routine, I think, too. You know, like you, you become accustomed to it. You have mm -hmm. a set routine and to go and change all that up. I, I think some people are not willing to take that um, to deal with that. Yeah, no question. So you, how long did you do that for? So I did that for about, um, I would say, five, six years. I was oh, wow. So you, yeah. And, and you see, so must have gotten right into it then. I mean, that's a pretty long career to be slinging cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. And then after that, um, why well, I just stayed in the industry for a bit, but I was with that specific company about five or six years. And so what, so the sales part of it, you got down and I imagine, you know, it's fun too, is to, if you just kind of unpacked your sales trajectory, cause you went from brand new at being sales to being a sales manager for a couple of locations where I bet mm -hmm instead of the one being talked to, you had to do the talking to some, right? You had to go, Hey, you're yeah. not doing so well. You're really going to have to, we're going to have to let, you know, let you go eventually if you don't yeah. to, you know, that's outside sales. That's sitting outside the door waiting for mm -hmm. people to walk by you. But then mm -hmm. it gets to phone calls, cold calling, follow up mailers, development creation. I could totally see how you would, embrace the sales aspect because it really is such a creative endeavor yeah no for sure i agree and it really helped out and like you said going from you know not wanting to sell myself to eventually managing people uh you know it really shows you uh, obviously everyone has a different personality everyone has a different background and you need to be able to coach everyone uh, and it really has helped me even with what i do now uh, being able to identify how to get someone motivated because everyone's going motivation is going to be different. So I'm glad, you know, that I, I went through that experience. Yeah, totally. You know, it's so funny when we get to where we start, we decide we're going to open our own company, which you mm -hmm. clearly did. You, and you look back and you just think of all the things that happen and all the lessons you've learned, all the jobs you've had, all the people you've had experience with it really some point at some point just kind of aligns Oh and yeah, right. It just it it makes total sense for you to not only be willing to start your own business, but then to be successful at it, which is not an easy feat. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, when did you start Fez cleaning? <laughs> so, to I guess ramp up the time from when I was at T-Mobile, I did that. Then I did another cell phone company. I was at, at Verizon for. About 10 years, to be honest. Oh, wow. Yeah. At some point, I left for about a year to do collections for student loans. Then I went back to Verizon. And when I went back, I was more serious about it. And I was going to, I told myself I was going to get myself promoted. But you know what? I, I don't know if it was, um, it could be a lot of variables that, that kind of came into play. But something in my second round there and in the job that I took after I, I've just always had an itch to be my own boss and be in control of my day and my schedule. And that's always been something I, I've wanted to do. And I took a couple of cracks at it through, during this time. But for one reason or, or another, it just didn't map out, whether it was the industry or whatever it was. It just didn't work out. Uh, luckily, I found this and this so far is working out great. So I'm glad I found it. 
Yeah, that's. I have so many, so many follow-up questions. Like, first of all, I can just imagine how often did your dad talk about being your own man and and being in charge and doing your own thing and not relying on other people. And you know, I mean, I remember my dad, mm-hmm. my both my parents when I was probably ten years old, how they were. You know, it, kitchen table talk was always about how how terrible it was working for others. You know, it was mm-hmm. never, it was never a good story. Nobody ever came home with a good story. Like I love my boss. It just didn't, yeah. not that that's not true for some people. It wasn't true in my household. My parents did not enjoy where they worked, yeah. you know? And so you kind of, for me, I kind of grew up going, man, if I ever had the chance to do it on my own, I think that's probably the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely was. And in the last job that I had, to answer your question, you know, as far as how I got started in cleaning, it was because uh, I had a buddy that was actually an account manager for a commercial company. One day he randomly called me out of the blue during the time I was having one of these, you know, moments where I didn't know what I wanted to do and wanted to change things up. And he's all like, hey, I have this guy that he bought into a commercial franchise company, which is where he worked. And he was the guy that was managing these accounts. And he wants out of it. He's selling it for like 1500 bucks. And I had never considered cleaning. You know, it's not something you you think like, you know, I'm going to get into cleaning or you look forward to it. So I told him yes. And then the next day he calls me. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, he ended up selling it to one of his buddies. And I'm like, oh, but that kind of sparked an interest in me wanting to learn more about cleaning. So I go on YouTube. I started watching all these videos and what really sold me was the recurring uh, business model, you know, cash flow and just the industry as a whole and kind of building your book of business and, and be honestly, the flexibility, like, you know, being able to work from home if I needed to, or being anywhere, as long as, you know, I, I help my team out and I'm accessible and that's how I got into it. And I ended up setting up my business in September of 2019. Wow. Right before the pandemic. Yes. Your timing. Holy heck. I know. So how did you get your first account? What was it? So my first account, I think like a lot of us, it was, uh, I was using home advisor. So I, I got on home advisor. They gave me a call. They started calling me every, every so often. I finally jumped on one of their demos and paid for some of their leads and I got our first account through through Home Advisor. It was a residential account that we actually still have to this day. Yeah. And what was the setup? Were you cleaning it once a month, every two weeks? What was the initial setup? So with that one and being so new to the industry, knowing nothing, I remember I would Google uh, PDF checklists. I went on Etsy and found some checklists of cleaning and what we needed to do. And with that client, we even not, even to this day, we have her on a biweekly schedule, but she's been with us now going on three years. Yeah. That is really, how did you know how to bid it? How did you know how much to charge? What did you do? Did you like walk the property and go, this is how long it's going to take me? Yeah, uh, I know. Right. I mean, no, I, I didn't. I, You know what? When I got interested in the cleaning industry because I was watching so many videos, uh, there was a lot of helpful videos out there that from the get-go would, would tell you like, hey, you know, if you want to own a, a business, don't do the cleaning yourself. Uh, and, you know, it was risky. And I, I remember I was worried the whole time, like, is this lady that I just hired going to show up? Is she going to be late? 
but I knew that I didn't want that in order for me to scale the way I wanted to, I could not do the cleaning. I could not be out there. I could not do in-person bits. And the way that I quoted her, I had joined a couple of Facebook groups. And I think when I, when I got the call, I called her, I asked her, you know, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, the square footage of the house. And then I posted it in the group and, you know, I got a bunch of answers and I went with the answer that it would kept being more recurring in conversation and that's what I told her. And to this day, she still has that price. You know, th that is, I'm so happy you brought up Facebook groups because mm -hmm. they are so valuable. Yeah. They're so helpful. They I, are. I know that I'm constantly reading people's questions and, re and, and everybody's responses. And, and I sometimes give my two cents. It's super fun. It really oh, yeah. is fun. And everybody has unique questions from how do you get this out of this to, you know, like what's a great degreaser to how would you bid this? And, yeah. you know, and every job is different. You know, somebody wants me to clean the public bathrooms in a town square once a week. Okay. Somebody wants me to clean their, you know, their garage three times a week. Okay. You know what I mean? Like there's so many yeah. different. Yeah. Facebook groups. Yeah. So they, valuable. They've been awesome. Honestly, if, if I did not have a Facebook and it was just like a group kind of social media, I, I would, still be in it because I, i've learned so much i've actually made friendships through through facebook groups because you're in the same industry you ask the same questions run into the same problems and uh and yeah they've been super helpful yeah big shout out to all the administrators out there yeah. and that are running those facebook groups and to everybody who participates you know oh, everybody sure. who, who asks questions and, and gives some responses and there have been times where it gets heated <laughs> like there oh, are people yeah. who can be a little condescending a little rude but mm -hmm. those are few and far between Facebook groups. What a great, yeah. a great tool. Well, then we so, think of it, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. And yeah. so, and so you go from, I love this home advisor because home advisor, I've heard that a bunch of times. I've heard a mm -hmm. lot of people with home advisor. By the time I decided to go out on my own, mm -hmm. I was knee deep in healthcare. And so I've, oh, wow. I've really, since I've gone on my own, I've really only stayed in healthcare. I've only gone after nursing homes, hospitals, mm -hmm. assisted living facilities. But cleaning is cleaning. The cleaning industry is a cleaning mm -hmm. industry. You know, bidding yeah. a job is bidding the job. Understanding the, the job routine, the work assignment, the staffing, the the oversight, the insurance that is getting, you know, the job is getting done, the presentation aspect of it. The um, so you, so you use HomeAdvisor and you get that one account. And you don't clean it yourself. You never cleaned it yourself. No, to this day, I've cleaned uh, twice, maybe. And one time was just to show up and help. And then the other time was to to go for someone that missed a day that, that couldn't make it. But I, I honestly got that from the videos. And it just really resonated with me and made a lot of sense to, I think, a quote that I read somewhere. And I don't know where I read it. But it was something like, you know, you, you don't want to quit your job where you're an employee to go and then be an employee of your own business. So that just clicked with me. And I told myself, you know what, I, I think I would rather take that risk and maybe not make it to that job, you know, or whatever happens kind of happens, but I, I can't afford to take on, you know, become an employee of my business. So, and it's, there's been some scary times. There's been times where, like I said, I didn't know the cleaner was going to show up or people have called off last minute. But luckily, I've been able to, you know, ha explain to the client what happened. And people are pretty understanding, you know, when you're honest with them. Yeah, that is. 
so it's so great. I'm I'm so impressed that you, you know, I, and again, you know, you're speaking that whole point of how do you quit your job, your day job, and, and you don't want to quit your day job for another day job. No, and, and now you're just calling it your business because, as you mm-hmm. as you know, it's very very hard to get out of the cleaning business if you're the only one. It's hard to grow a cleaning business if you're the only one cleaning. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, and when I started the, the business at that point, I was working in B2B sales for an HR company. So I, I would actually have meetings with business owners all the time. And something that would happen all the time, you know, we would set up a Zoom call or we would set up a meeting and they couldn't make it because something came up or they had to go out and be out in the field. So it was real valuable for me to work at that company and talk to so many business owners and see firsthand what problems they were dealing with or how they were running their business. Uh, And I just knew I just didn't want to have those issues, you know, and and luckily I kind of stuck to my guns, you know, in that regard. And it's, it's worked out well. Again, you know, one of those things for anybody who is listening and wondering what do they have to do to open their own business? I think you just said something very important, and that is learn the art of business. And if that means you volunteer for all those terrible jobs, like you were talking about, you're working in student loan collection, collections, yeah. being able to collect money. Let me tell you what, <laughs> that's a game changer. There are people who simply do not know how to get paid. And getting yeah. paid is, well, that could be harder than getting the business. <laughs> I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. And so uh, understanding the, how business works, how to get a customer, how to keep a customer, how to satisfy a customer, how to get paid from a customer, how to mm-hmm. invoice, how to problem solve. Valuable, yeah. right? Really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. So did, is, that, is that the lane that you stayed in, the residential, or did you break off eventually and go into commercial? You know what? I really couldn't because I I have not been full time with this business until August of this year. So I literally have been on my own uh, three months now. Wow. I was doing this while I was working in my sales job. And when the pandemic hit, they made us all remote. So I would work my nine to five during those hours. And that consisted of me doing a lot of cold calling, doing a lot of email blasting, being a B2B rep for that business, for that company. Um, and I was just really kind of just getting the phone calls for my business and setting up a bid or sending them a quote and trying to keep my staff busy. And it's not until I got to the point where I, I felt, okay, I can match my work salary. And now it's time to take that leap and see how far I can scale it. But it, it took a while. It took, And then you throw in a pandemic. So it wasn't easy. You know, I think during the pandemic for those two months, March and April, we did absolutely nothing. We didn't know what was going on. We completely shut down. And then when we came back, you know, thank God, it, we've been full force ever, ever since. But I've only been on my own where it's just focused on just this for about three months now. And are you going to stay in the in the residential side? Is that where you're going to? No, uh, I do want to branch off into commercial. I know a lot of companies want to do either or. I, I don't see why you can't do both. I, I feel that you, you can, uh, but I do little by little want to branch off into commercial. So I spend the majority of my time now still answering residential calls if they call, but a lot of email blasting, trying to connect with people on LinkedIn, 
uh, I'm approaching it like I approached my B2B job because that's really what I was doing. I was doing the same thing, but now I'm just doing it for myself and other my clients. Uh, and I still do have a lot to learn in the commercial on the commercial side. So I'm still going through that. But I, I think we're doing fairly well for only being about three months in where, where I, I'm on, you know, doing this full time. Yeah, I think that is I think that's really I I think I think you're absolutely right. I have a friend mm-hmm. named Phil Jones, Phil M. Jones. He is a he's a he's a sales guru, author, speaker, like he does all this international sales training really great guy but i was at i was just attending a workshop that he gave and he was saying the same thing where you know a lot of people are like i'm going to stay in one lane and he goes if you go to my website i have something for you if you have eight dollars and if you have eight thousand if you have twenty thousand you have a hundred thousand you have eight hundred i it's like i have a program i have a product i have a service for every level and it just made sense to me and it's kind of like how I'm hearing from you is like, why can't I do, why can't I offer multiple mm-hmm. services to multiple organizations? I think there's value in specializing in one, but I think mm-hmm. there's value, like you're saying, in being a little bit more flexible. Yeah. And I mean, in, in business on the commercial side, there's a lot of verticals. Like, for example, you, you mentioned that you stick to like uh, nursing homes and, and medical, right? doesn't mean I'm going to go and branch off into commercial and try to do everything in commercial because I, I can't, you know, Yeah. but I would be okay with sticking to residential, which I think I've got a pretty good grasp on. And then uh, maybe focus on two or three verticals in commercial, maybe sticking to that. We've been doing a lot of commercial for uh, property management companies. So I've really considered trying to stick to that niche and, and residential at the same time. Yeah, I think it's I think you know what else is is interesting about that model potentially of doing both residential and commercial is the timing. Mm-hmm. The residential is normally mm-hmm. clean during the day mm-hmm. and when nobody's home and commercial is cleaned at night when nobody's at work, right? So yeah. you could potentially, you know, I have a friend John who owns a cleaning company in in uh, St. Louis. Uh no, where is he? Where is he? Not in St. Louis. Uh, maybe Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And he he always makes this great point that it's easier to get somebody who's already working to work more rather than it is to try to get somebody off the couch. Like he's like, I don't fight the battle from the couch. Yeah. People aren't working; they're going to stay not working. But if people mm-hmm. have a full time job, they're more apt to take and you know work three four hours a night on a part time mm-hmm. job. You know, if you're offering both like, hey, I have um, you can, you know, I have some commercial, I mean, some residential cleaning this morning mm-hmm. and then take a few hours off and come back tonight and clean some commercial properties for us. Yeah, so, it seems like a pretty easily. You know, money, yeah, it's, money. It's, it's worked well for the most part. The commercial that we do have, it, it's pretty, uh, I guess, your standard hours, like your 8 a.m. to like 7 p.m. At this point, I haven't taken any anything overnight. Um, I don't know if I want to, to be honest, I, I have a, a small daughter. I have another, I have two daughters and my younger daughter's going to be four. She, I, and I want to be at home. I don't know if I want to deal with yeah troubles that may come up in commercial at and get two, 3 a.m. phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's a, I know a lot of people who clean restaurants in bars, yeah. in kitchens, and they don't start till 2 a.m. 
yeah. they have to be done by 10 a.m. You know, when they open the next day. And but you're right, man. Those are tough hours. Those yeah, tough hours. I mean, you have a call out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that restaurant sure. needs to be clean, right? That that, yeah. that kitchen needs to be cleaned. And so, uh, when you take on that kind of business, you're all in. Those are your, yeah. you know, it reminds me is um, I don't know. Somebody's gonna have to reach out and tell me if it's the truth anymore. But it used to be Dunkin' Donuts, the corporate office of Dunkin' Donuts. Do you have Dunkin' Donuts where you are? Yeah, a bunch. Yeah, okay. So Dunkin' Donuts corporate office. Their hours, they used to open at 5 a.m. Oh, wow. And everybody had to be there at 5 a.m. The CEO, the CFO, the, uh, the HR, everybody started at 5 a.m. Because that's when all their franchisees started. Wow. And could you imagine if they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're a corporate, we're going to start at 9. Their <laughs> franchisees are open and handling problems for four hours, or five hours before they even open? Like, yeah. that's, not, that's, not, that's not good, right? So I'm mm -hmm. only bringing that up because... If you own a business that is from, you know, overnight, then your business hours are overnight. Mm -hmm. You don't have yeah, no choice. hundred percent. And I think that's why I haven't really branched off too much into that. And we're, luckily with like the property management companies, we do the buildings during the day. It's usually like your common areas. And yeah. Things yeah. Like that. So that that's been working out. I live in, I live just outside of New York city and mm -hmm. I, I have always looked at cleaning as, you know, one, one part doing the job and the other part traveling to the job, mm -hmm. especially when you're in the commercial cleaning space, because you're going from one site to another site, to another site, to another site. And it wasn't until I moved down here that I had some experience running into cleaning companies that legitimately clean one building and they have 200 customers. Wow. Because they're all apartments. Yeah. And, you know, you have five, 600 apartments in one building. One yeah. building has that, you know, it's a massive space down here. And it's all, you know, high rises. And you can you can literally go to the same building five days a week, six days a week, mm -hmm. and be completely busy with a full crew because you're cleaning apartment after apartment after apartment after apartment. Yeah. It's, and you save on gas. So well, yeah, of course. <laughs> the travel. Yeah. You can even live in the apartment, right? <laughs> Run one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh that's so funny. Um I wonder what do you do? Here here's just a, just a question, just because I'm curious. Uh -huh. Do you do anything? How do you how do you do, how do you prove that you were clean somebody's house? Like I have somebody who cleans my house every two weeks. They come into my house. And mm -hmm. when my wife gets home, my wife's the inspector, not mm -hmm. me. So my wife will always declare. She'll always ask. She'll be like, did Hilda come? And she'll start looking for evidence. Oh, wow. like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, was this taken care of? Or there'll be some laundry that's folded and on a dresser. Ah, she must have been here. There's a lot. Like, and so yeah. I'm always cognizant of that, like, do you do you intentionally have a proofer like some people use a checklist and uh -huh. so i have a friend in boston <clears throat> who who uh lakeisha who mm -hmm. leaves cookies <laughs> so uh -huh. she leaves like homemade cookies yeah because she's in you know she cleans apartments every once a month or every mm -hmm. two weeks or whatever and so she always leaves cookies like that's a nice little proof that she was there yeah do you do anything like that uh we don't do anything like that but we do do uh, pictures, a lot of like before and afters. Oh, very um, cool. 
yeah, we try to make sure there's nothing in the home that's uh, personal to the client, but it will take like a picture of a dirty fridge and then the, the after picture. Uh, same thing with like toilets and tubs. And then we use that obviously for like our Google My Business and to market. But that's what we do. And then we, we, what we do at the end of it is we upload that in the invoice. So then when they get a receipt, all the pictures are, are, are part of the invoice. Oh, that is and very they, cool. Yeah, they really like that. Uh, that. We've gotten good feedback from that. Oh, that is very smart. I like that a lot too. We had a dog walker for a while. And I, now with COVID and everything, and I've gone so much on the other side where I'm really remote. I've been doing education uh-huh. from my office in my house that we don't have a dog walker anymore. Now I am the dog walker. But yeah. when we, when we did have a dog walker, they always sent pictures. Yeah. And it was, you know, just the cutest little, you know, and it was almost like a proof that we were there, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and, and you can't fake a picture. You can't fake a picture. And yeah. and I always just thought it was such a great thing. I, I, I just interviewed a guy in Florida and mm-hmm. he had crews. He does a lot of floor care. So, they're literally just going from one place to another place to another place and, and stripping and refinishing floors and that kind of thing. And he, he does it all via picture. So he's just like you, he's like commanding the whole operation and people, his crew are just sending him pictures done. Hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like now. Yeah. You know, before. And that's his proof that they got in there and does it. I don't know if he shares it with the client though. That's a smart idea. Yeah. Well, you know what? It started with commercial because one of the property managers, one of the requirements for her to give us the account is she wanted pictures because the company that she had before would say that they would show up and they kept having this issue where they felt that nothing got done. So I remember when we took on that account, she's like, hey, I need you to email me pictures at the end of the day. And then we started doing it with her. And it just kind of, you know, snowballed into us doing it with everybody. So and, and clients like that. You know, I have the opposite reaction to pictures in healthcare because normally what happens in healthcare is people take pictures to show you how terrible it is. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, like, did you see this room or did you see this bathroom or did you see this mess? You know? Yeah. It could be it could be quite a challenge. I, I too take an awful lot of dirty uh pictures of dirty rooms and uh-huh dirty situations and, you know, using it as an example, but I had this, I had this situation in hospitals. We really struggled for a long time. And I, and I know it's still a struggle for a lot of people, but in hospitals, the way that housekeeping or the cleaning is rated is by the customer, meaning not the hospital. The hospital is not the customer. We're talking about the actual patient, the person who was in the hospital for, you know, a broken leg, a broken hip or head trauma or something like that. And they're Mm -hmm. length of stay. They're in the hospital for a couple of days. They get a survey in the mail. And that survey is all ever, not just on cleaning. It's on everything. But one of the questions is how was the cleaning? And more often than not, we would get NA as a response, like not applicable. Like how is, how is it not? And the reason is because they never saw us. Oh, and so because they didn't see us, they didn't think we were yeah. ever there. They're like, I don't know. I never saw the housekeeper. I never saw the cleaner, and, <laughs> you know, so it, it puts in your mind like, all right, how do we get credit? You know, we're yeah. waking up patients. Wake up. Yeah. You, Hi, <laughs> we're going to let you know we're here. <laughs> me mop. <laughs> Try to keep the floor wet with a wet floor sign or something. Any evidence <laughs> at all, you know? 
no, for sure. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to overcome. How do you mm-hmm. prove that you were there? Especially yeah. if, especially if, which is what happens in healthcare, mm-hmm. there's way more people making a mess than there are cleaning up after the mess. Yeah. So they'll be like in a, in a typical, let's say nursing home, say like a hundred bed nursing home, there could be a hundred, 150 employees and then a hundred people live there. And so there's 250 people and there's six housekeepers. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like the math doesn't work out at all. Like there's no chance you know, that everybody's going to pick up after themselves. Everybody's not going to drag water, snow and all that into the building, you know? And so then it becomes a real, you know, every time I go into the bathroom at three o'clock, it is a complete mess. And so I know housekeeping is not cleaning it. Well, (laughs) it's not true. Housekeeping is cleaning it, but they're doing it at 8 (laughs) a.m. When you're not there. Right. 250 people have used that bathroom since they've cleaned it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's always a, it's always interesting to me how people approach, you know, getting credit or, or leaving some type of, something behind right you know what's unfortunate is in in cleaning i don't have to tell you this but it's all about odor and clean floors like if if the floors are shiny and there's no odor the housekeeping department or the cleaning department best thing in the entire world yeah that's that's true on the other side it could be the cleanest in the world but have a a, an odor Mm -hmm. housekeeping cleaning they suck here it's terrible you know yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And that happens a lot in residential. I've gotten calls and, and I know that they mop the floors and they'll send me pictures of the floor just, you know, after it just got mopped. And then the client will send me a picture like, hey, did you guys even mop? But you're right. Like if they don't see the floor like shiny when they arrive, they just assume like, oh, well, you didn't do it or something, you know? Yeah. But it's true. It's true. And I remember, I mean, I've been doing this so long. There's been so many situations where I remember, you know, contemplating the first time somebody brought up the idea that if you don't kill the spider, there will always be a spider web. Like that's a mind game with you. You know, when you're not thinking about it like that, you're like, I got the cobwebs. Well, I was there yesterday and there were cobwebs. Yeah. I swear I got them. Well, (laughs) did you get the spider? No. All right. That spider, you know what their first thing they're doing when you, after you take down their cobweb, they're going to make another one. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Dust has always fallen, my friend. It's always fallen. Thank God. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Yeah, so what's, security. That's right. So what's next for you? So um, I think Just right keep now. Just growing, right? Just putting yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, keep scaling. Right now, my focus is trying to find more employees. I feel that the employee, well, the employees that I have now have enough recurring clients that I've noticed. Uh, my schedule is pretty busy, and I do need to start bringing on board some more people uh, to start trying to get more work. So right now, my focus has been that and also uh, focusing more on commercial, too, because the thing with residential, it, it's you really can't prospect, right? You're not going to call a random person and say, hey, let me clean your house or who's cleaning your house now. But you can with commercial. So I, I focus more of my time prospecting for commercial and then residential has been mainly through Google or referrals now. Um, but that's that's what my goal is for the, for the next year to try to get more staff and continue to grow. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing 
I, first of all, I love prospecting residential. I think there's all kinds of, you know, like, you know, just putting the door tags up. And, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that you, you certainly can do. I, I live in a neighborhood where there's probably eight or 10 landscaping companies in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Like, it's like almost as if everybody on my, on my, in my neighborhood, we all use yeah. somebody different for landscaping. That's how many landscaping companies there are. Mm-hmm. And the reason there are that many landscaping companies is because, you know, one person gets upset with that landscaper. So they go find another one. And then, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's the same thing with cleaners though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Same thing with cleaning companies. And so they think there's a lot of opportunity out there. And the other thing though, I think, you know, we didn't really talk about it, but summer's coming. I know that we're just about in the holiday season, but summer's tough for us in residential cleaning. Yeah, no, it is. Um, COVID was tough for that very reason. Yeah, home. yeah, COVID for sure was tough. I mean, like I said, those two months, we didn't do anything. The bigger reason for that is because I think a lot of us didn't know how COVID, you know, anything about COVID. So we all assumed the worst. I, I know I did. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to ch- take that chance and have, you know, people out in the field. And there was no vaccine inside at that time. So I just decided. And at that point, I had my full time job. So it just made sense for me to close shop that we didn't do anything those two months um but yeah we'll see how this summer ends i'm more optimistic about it i think with the vaccination rates are as high as they are uh i hope you know that we get that sense of normalcy back and you know in life this coming year yeah I, 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 boy i hope too i i hope too um i think so I, I think it'll happen <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. and and not for, not least of which for for business owners out there because it's been such such a struggle. I think the only saving grace that I've had was that I work in healthcare. We never closed down. <laughs> we oh, yeah. COVID, schmovid. We we were still going in. We we're still gowning up. We we're still putting on PPE and 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 working. You know what? Actually, I think that that actually helped. I know it certainly helped me, helped me be a lot more comfortable with COVID. Mm-hmm. I was never one who was very, I never got it. I never oh, had yeah. it. And my wife got it. All the kids got it, but I, I never got sick. I, I'm vaccinated because I work in healthcare. Yeah. And so when you work in healthcare, you just have to accept that you get vaccinated a few times a year. You don't uh-huh. get the flu vaccine. I don't care. You know, oh, all of them, you're like, yeah, whatever. It, it really, <laughs> I, I have no issue with, with vaccines at all. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I know there's error rates and all that stuff. I don't mean that. I just mean when you work in around the vulnerable population, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we've always been, you either get vaccinated, like the flu vaccine, you either get it or you wear a mask and all that. And then yeah. all of us are like, we're going to wear a mask until we're wearing a mask. And we're like, this sucks. Well, I can just take a shot. I'll just take the shot, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but um, that's kind of how it happened. But, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been working around HIV and oh wow, uh, C diff and VRE and MRSA and COVID and the swine flu and H1N1 and hepatitis and for so many years that I don't know, I don't know. Well, it's, I would imagine, right? Like you said, uh, when probably all this started happening, if anything, it probably got you. Um, I would assume more busy, more, right? Uh, well, we lost a lot of staff. 
Oh. A lot of people walked out. A lot of people were like, I'm not working. Uh, COVID is, is going to kill people. Yeah. And the, the, it, it, fair. I understand fear. And, and that's fair. And I, and I understand where everybody's coming from. But we care for people who are at end of life. Yeah. And imagine being them that we all can't leave. Mm-hmm. Right. If everybody leaves, then the nursing home is full of people who are being uncared for. It means nobody's helping them get to the bathroom. Nobody's making sure that they're getting any water and getting anything to eat. Nobody's helping them get up in the morning, brushing their teeth. You know, like that's those things are super important. And yeah. when you work in healthcare, you have to. I you don't have to. I I would say that if you're going to choose to work in healthcare, and I know most people are like this, then you do it because it's your calling, and and you understand the there's a risk to working around people who are sick, but there's, it's also probably one of the most rewarding. So. Yeah, I agree. So I, it was very, I had a lot of people quit a lot of people just straight up. Nope. Not working around COVID. See you later. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, but I, all right, wait, not um, you, you too. Okay. <laughs> wait, uh, call. Uh, hi wife hi yeah no i'm gonna live here now because uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? like nobody's here so yeah I'm you're like bring me my pajamas yeah it's, it's, what are you gonna do i mean and, and that's and that's what it was like for and again i live in new york just outside of the city and you know covid here in new york was kind of the the first kind of stomping grounds right um, it was it was it was scary it was yeah. re- everybody was on edge Everybody was on edge. Yeah. COVID. I know. I feel like it, you know, it's time flew by. I mean, I can't believe that it's going on almost two years since all of this started. You know, that's nuts. Yeah. Agreed. It's like what fifty-one days till Christmas. I'm yeah. Such a big fan of Christmas. Are you? I'm oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you or no? Oh yeah, I, I am. Especially with a three-year-old at oh home. Oh my god, I you mean, have little kids. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. It's the greatest ever. Anyway, thank you so much for mm-hmm. coming on today's show. How do people, you must be hiring. Yeah. Right. So how mm-hmm. do people find you if they're looking for work, if they're looking to, to have somebody clean their house for you, how do they get a hold of you? So they can go on our website. It's www.fesphes.io or they can email me if they're interested email your resume, any experience. I, I would really hope you have experience in residential or even commercial. And our email is info at phs.io. And by experience, you mean a pulse, I imagine. Yeah, you need a pulse. You have a pulse and you're willing to work. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and have a car. We, we need you to have a car. Oh, there you go. And boy, you're asking a lot. A I know. I'm too. sorry. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> what if I can get a ride, right? Like that's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's so funny. I, I have a friend who cleans residential in their marketing campaigns all about competing with 15-year-olds. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wow. you know, who's cleaning your house if you're not having somebody come in? Your kids. And yeah. uh, they probably don't want to. So <laughs> mm-hmm. stop fighting with your children. Hire us. That's a, that's a nice piece of business right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's it for us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today and learning all about PhD. E-S. No, just P-H-S. P-H-E-S. Yeah, E-S. P-H-S, yeah. I keep thinking F-E-Z, which is Fez. That's the head, I think. Yeah, that's the (laughs) Fez Cleaning Services, Salvador Martinez. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for being on. Again, if you like today's episode, please make sure that you share the show. Make sure you tell everybody about it. Write us a review. Subscribe. If you want to see more, if you missed a video, make sure you go to YouTube. That's where you can find us is on YouTube. We're there. That's it for us. Thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. That's it. Sal, Ralph.